everyone, and welcome to the Pink Isle. As always, my name is Henry Kathman, and joining me in person for the first time in like a year, it's Emma Corey. Hey, wow, it sure it has been a long time, hasn't it? Henry? Same room recording again. I know it's like it's like we're finally getting back to normal, you know. Uh, in a way. Yeah, and implying that the original state of normal was good and didn't need a bunch of changes. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so we have another fairylicious uh, specimen for us. Fairy, fairylicious. <laughs> what is the definition of fairylicious? You know that that feeling when you chomp on a good fairy, and it's just <laughs> wait. What? <laughs> is this like Gargamel logic? When have we got yeah, into like? Uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, no, no, no. If anything, it's it describes what I imagine pixie dust tastes like. I think I think fairylicious is the feeling when you like uh, walk slightly dazed into one of those witchy shops and look at the little like fairy statues and like mm. the dragon statues and stuff. You know, yeah. and you get kind of. Uh, get kind of a headache from the incense in the store. I think that's what that means. Okay, fair enough. Well, a movie that will hopefully not give us headwakes, segue, is today's movie, Tinkerbell, Secret of the Wings. Well, actually, it's just Secret, Secret of, of the, the Wings. Wings. Yeah, they, for some reason, wanted to cut out the Tinkerbell branding out yeah. of this one, which... Well, I mean, it's still, it's under the Disney Fairies branding, but this is kind of the point in the film series that they started to make their movies less strictly Tinkerbell focused and kind of focus on like uh, uplifting like some other characters or like yeah. bringing in new characters to have at least part of the spotlight. Yeah, which I think is honestly a pretty good step forward when it comes to like how they make these movies like. As much as I enjoy Tinkerbell and Mae Whitman's performances in these movies, I think it's a testament to just uh, the strength of the other characters that I think that many of them could carry their own movies and all that stuff without without yeah. it being too jarring or strange. Yeah, so have you seen this movie before? Uh, this is the first one of these movies that I have zero familiarity with and zero experience with. So I, for one, am very excited to see what they have in store for uh, us right now. Do you now. know like the general premise of this movie? I am aware that Tinkerbell has a secret sister. Yeah, a secret sister with ice powers. Yeah. Came out the year before uh, that one movie came out, so I mean, they would have had the a better movie. time. Well, I mean, Frozen was also in like development hell for like a bunch of years before this, so I imagine there was probably a little bit of cross section. In fact, I would not be surprised, given the fact that these are both Disney productions, that there was probably some crew that was working on the pre developed, the pre let it go Frozen, <laughs> and saw that. Probably transferred some of this sort of stuff, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I actually, I I think I watched this movie on TV when it came out, but I remember when it originally had a teaser trailer at the end of the DVD of uh, Fairy Rescue, where it was still called Tinkerbell in the Winter Woods. So, oh, so that was changed somehow, some way along the line, but huh. 
Yeah, this is kind of sort of, I call this the the last in like the the kind of seasons quadrilogy because like you get the first movie which takes place in spring, second movie takes place in autumn, third movie takes place in summer, and finally we got winter. Yeah, well, yeah. a winter themed movie, but they actually don't involve like any weather changing mainland stuff in this oh, one. Oh, okay. So I don't know this movie is very interesting. I don't know. You'll see when you watch it. It's basically sort of a commentary on like segregation. What? Uh, like, oh, okay. Like, um. like <laughs> it's it's very. Uh, it definitely has a different vibe, I think, than the first three films, and it kind of kind of brings about a shift in the movies. Interesting. I would say. Okay. Well, in terms of them doing like segregation allegories as long as it's as long as they don't pull a detroit beyond human i hopefully will be will be fine although hmm yeah i guess we'll see uh but with that said uh let's just dive a little bit into some of the newcomers to the cast and crew on this so starting us off we got our this is a uh, to director production, which is fairly common in animation. Uh, we got uh, Robert Gainaway and Peggy Holmes. These are two people that have a lot of experience with like Disney productions. Uh, Robert Gainaway specifically being a producer for much of Disney's television work uh, from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse to the Timon and Pumbaa show to uh, the 101 Dalmatian series, as well as the upcoming Disney Plus Monsters at Work series, which being reminded of that makes me Gotta tired. get all that Pixar money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But on the other hand, uh, we have Peggy Holmes, who is acting as director. Uh, her main experiences, she did direction for Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, as well as The Little Mermaid. Ariel's beginning, also known as known as it's Footloose but underwater, as well as uh, the upcoming uh, the Pirate Fairy, which I know a lot of people have strong feelings about. And her most recent thing is a specific movie slated for 2022 called Luck, which this is a uh, is it a Disney film? Let let me double check because it has like. Uh, this is a movie that is, oh, it's okay. An it's Apple TV. An Apple TV thing, which it's going to be produced with Skydance and Paramount, which, okay, you know, that's going to be interesting. And it stars Jane Fonda and Whoopi Goldberg. What? Okay. I mean, it. Oh, is it, another girl in Dragon movie? Yeah, except, it seems like we're getting a lot of dragon movies coming. Yeah, out. except according to this, uh, Jane Fonda is the dragon, and a quote exuberant CEO of good luck and undisputed luckiest ancient being in the land. So, girl boss dragon. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so I guess we'll see with that. Uh, but uh, Gainaway and Holmes act as the screenwriters for this. In addition to Ryan Rowe and Tom Rogers. Now, Ryan Rowe, uh, I believe he, we he, saw him in some of these previous The writer movies. of Charlie's Angels. Yeah, the 19, uh, the 2000s one, as well as uh, a Christmas star and 
Spaghetti versus Noodle? Okay. And, oh, he's also doing another freaking Pinocchio movie. Yeah, who, who all is developing Pinocchio movies? So many people are developing Pin- Pinocchio movies, but this is an animated Pinocchio movie that's gonna have, like, Tom Kenny and people in that, so it's oof. And the, I'm looking at the posters, and it involves Pinocchio riding on a motorcycle and stuff. So, uh, I love I love the tagline it has. It's time to get real. Eh. Two exclamation points. Yeah, I love that. Uh, but the other main screenwriter is Tom Rogers, who has a lot of Disney television work. As oh, he wrote for uh, Tom, Kronk's New Groove. He did. Uh, Elena of Avalor, which I hear good things about, uh, as well as a bunch of Lego shows, which, yeah, okay. And wait, The Lion King 3? Hakuna Matata. What? Oh, uh, that's just The Lion, the Lion King, King 1, one and, and a half. half. Why does IMDb list it like that? That's it's probably the original name for it. Yeah, that's... <laughs> God. <laughs> but he will eventually return in uh, Secrets of the Never Beast as well. Legends of the Never Beast as well. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but moving on, most of the voice cast on this stuff is staying the same. We still got Raven Simone as Iridessa, Lucy Lewis Silvermist, Mae Whitman as Tinkerbell. Uh, does Jesse McCarthy show up in this thing? Yeah, he's Probably. credited. I'm pretty sure he has like two lines. Yeah, two lines in this uh, movie. Pamela Adlin as Vidya, Angela Bardis as Fawn. But some of the new talent that I want to. We also have, this is the first movie where Megan Hilty replaces Kristen Chenoweth as Rosetta. Yes. Oh, Kristen Chenoweth. We'll, you shall be missed. But I do want to highlight how uh, uh, Megan Hilty is starring in the upcoming Centaur World show that's going to be on Netflix. So I'm, yeah, she's got a lot of good uh, talent behind, under her belt. But some of the other actors that we got here we got uh lucy hale starring as periwinkle who i'm assuming that's the secret fairy yeah lady. that's the sister okay and lucy i mean lucy hale's definitely a more known name because she was in pretty little liars she starred in that one truth or dare movie the most uh, highest uh thing an actor can do yeah as well as that one a dark and spooky uh fantasy island Wait, fantasy she was on riverdale she, oh god yeah apparently she staring experienced at... the epic highs and lows of high school football uh, on that show i don't know i also see that she starred in how i met your mother for a a bit which woof <laughs> solidarity to you ma'am uh but yeah, and then the other people that we got, we got uh, Matt Lanter, who plays this fairy named uh, Sled. Yeah, he's I'm one s- of he's one of the the Periwinkle's friends. He's probably most known, at least I know him as he's like the voice of Anakin in the Clone uh, Wars, in like the the Dave Filoni Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Also, he starred in Vampires Suck, that one Twilight parody that came out in like 2010. Yeah, he seems to do a lot of work with like the Wayne Brothers and that whole uh, parody movie thing. But you know, he also does like he's also starring in the show called Jupiter's Legacy, which oh, that's the it, it, that's another one of those gritty Edgy superhero, superhero movies yeah. made by the same dude who made Kick-Ass. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Remember when people talked about Kick-Ass? And how that was such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. We also got some uh, Debbie Ryan in here. Yeah. Debbie Ryan, who fans of Disney will know her as Jessie from the Disney yes. Channel show, Jessie. But now she's also starring in this show called Insatiable, which I hear good things about. But, you know, yeah. Debbie Ryan, she's got... She does a lot of like good work, yeah, and she was our she was our big Disney star at the time. Of yeah, I wonder. Hang on, let me look up because yeah. I imagine she probably did the, the music for, for this. this one. Yeah. yeah, let's see. Yep, and she, oh no, it turns out Sydney Ciarota sung the opening song. Who? Hang on, what what did she has to have done? Like, did, she's probably some other Disney star and. Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay. She's yeah. just like a singer. Yeah. Okay. Neat. Uh, but yeah. I'm pretty be- sure. I know Debbie Ryan did a song for one of these movies. Oh, I, no doubt. Yeah. Like, also got Grey Delisle as another one of the Ice Fairy friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and also we got. Um, oh, uh, the big guy. Yeah. Like we actually have like an act like. Not in that was reductive of the other performers. Yeah, we in this. got we got our uh, our one kind of celebrity ish voice. We got Timothy Dalton. Yeah, James Bond himself, best known for playing uh, that one Time Lord in that one episode, one that one the bad episode of David Tennant Doctor Who where he regenerates. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he also was in classics like. Flash Gordon and the best Edgar Wright movie, Hot Fuzz. Well, actually, no, I'm I'm stuck between Hot Fuzz and Scott Pilgrim, if I'm gonna be honest. But yeah, you know, pretty- I have never watched a James Bond, and I never will. Same, same. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I cannot summon any enthusiasm for that. But I do at least appreciate wherever I do see. Uh, Timothy Dalton pop up. He it's usually pretty appreciated. Yeah. So, yeah, I think with that then, I'm excited for you to see this movie. I think you'll find it intriguing. Oh, I, I well, I guess there's no point in waiting anymore. Let us dive into Pixie Hollow once again to learn the secret of the wings. Spoiler alert: the secret isn't that impressive. Pixie Dust is a fashion must with new Disney Fairies Glamour Glow Tinkerbell. Believe in me, here am I, magic wings before your eyes. Glamour Glow Tinkerbell and her fairy friends are kicking up pixie dust with sparkly wings and shimmering fashions. Tink's fairy wings light up with pixie dust. You glow, girl! Pixie style for everyone. Believe in me for fairy fun. Uh, all about the glow. Disney Fairies Glamour Glow Tinkerbell comes with a bonus DVD. Fairy friends sold separately. So yeah. we just saw Secret of the Wings, me for, uh, I've seen it a few times, Henry, for the first time. So I'm going to start this off by saying, Henry, what did you think of it? Did it really, uh, did it inspire you? Did it cause emo- emotion when you watched it? it? It did. It did. I must say, um, this is certainly, I don't know where it falls in my ranking. It I feel like it's hard for me to say, I think I kind of liked 
fairy rescue more than this one, but it's very close. Like it's, yeah, this one definitely up the stakes. It gave us a lot of great expansions to the characters. And, you know, I think like a lot of the, the drama of it was like, was pretty good. Honestly, my only complaint is like, I feel like this thing is at like a tight 75 minutes. I almost get the impression that Disney like has a thing like can't go higher than this. And as a result, I it felt like things got a little bit rushed at the beginning. Like I, I kind of almost wish we could have like sat and vibed with more of these characters. Yes, I know. But the thing is, they're not going to create a two hour long Disney fairy movie. Yeah, not with that attitude, well, the cowards. Yeah, like you gotta you gotta fit it nicely into uh, your uh, babysitting time. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, this was a this was a good time. Yeah, I definitely think this one is probably the most like feels the most grandiose of all the Disney fairy movies because mm. it's a lot more about like exploring the society of Pixie Hollow in sort of a new interesting way. Yeah, because most of uh, these previous movies were relatively like small scale where the stakes primarily involved like the changing of a season or like the like interactions between some of these characters. But this one is, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. This one definitely uh, created a sense of vastness within the reaches of Pixie Hollow that I very much appreciated. Yeah. But and at this yeah. point, Tinkerbell, she started the Industrial Revolution. She uh, made contact with uh, hum- ex- yeah hum- extraterrestrials. Yeah, made contact with humans. Uh, restored an ancient artifact and in this movie tinkerbell solves racism okay well i feel like this this isn't exactly like i feel like this is more of a romeo and juliet type of thing than it is like an addressal of bigotry because the whole thing in this movie is that it like the winter fairies are sectioned off where they don't frame it as like a a source of tension really or like a source of animosity towards each other. More just like a this idea of like, oh, if only we could be together, but unfortunately things are keeping us apart, which in a I way mean, you well, could- ask- Romeo and Juliet had a lot to do with animosity between That's, two different yes. groups. I, don't, I think the thing with this movie is that the whole premise of this movie is that it is established that in the society of Pixie Hollow, you have the warm weather uh, fairies who live in like autumn, spring, and summer, which mm-hmm. is where the previous movies took place. And then you have all the winter fairies, which are essentially sectioned off because of like inhospitable environments between the two uh, opposing sections. But it's also kind of framed that there's like a kind of ignorance going on between how these two groups view each other. That so is true. It feels like they're trying to do some kind of metaphor that has to do with like different countries or yeah, different like, groups of people I, I that are kept together because like they do focus it, a lot on borders yeah in this like, one. like they talk about tinkerbell crossing the border and meeting at the border a lot of border talk in huh. this movie and then it it turns out in the end like 
the solution for the two groups to integrate was actually very simple. And, and so to, almost as if the actual problems to solving issues surrounding borders and divisions between different groups is also very simple and almost could just be abolished. Yeah, so because like mm. all both sides of the fairy spectrum are in this movie are operating under the assumption that like there's just no way that they can intermingle because it would be too dangerous. But then when someone like Tinkerbell actually looks at the problem for more than two seconds, she realizes actually there is a solution. Hmm. So it comes off as more as it is trying to do a kind of commentary on. Yeah, like, I, I, get, I suppose so. you're right there. I feel like I'm so used to like these types of stories tackling that sort of thing in a like super like obvious like yeah and being a lot less subtle and bad yeah i definitely don't think it's like they're trying to be like the winter fairies are people of color or anything like that yeah i don't think it's I going think, that way but I it think, definitely it does seem like it's trying to commentate at the very least on like maybe seen like societal divisions societal like could, divisions yeah. like you could theoretically apply it not to not just matters of ethnicity, but also nationality and like maybe socioeconomic class, maybe, but just, you know, any sort of like borders, yeah, artificial cause, cause or otherwise. The way this society seems to operate, it seems like the winter fairies are pretty independent and they mm -hmm. don't really, aside from like general communication to see what like the what the different kinds of fairies need on either side through trade. They, they're kind of like self-governing. Yeah. So in that sense, it is almost sort of like a, like a commentary on maybe xenophobia to some extent, or just Perhaps. like maybe just general Or ignorance. isolationism or at isolation. the very least. Yeah, so it's interesting though. I am going to get the Cinema Sins uh, goggles out and say that this movie directly contradicts oh stuff in the first movie. Because in the first movie, we in this movie they establish that the winter fairies and the warm fairies have completely different birthing places. Yeah. Where the winter fairies have their own little root that leads to the pixie hollow tree, where the pixie dust comes out, and that's where their fairies are born, as opposed to Tinkerbell and the other warm fairies who were born at the pixie hollow tree. But in the original Tinkerbell movie, there are snowflake fairies present at Tinkerbell's like birthing uh talent uh finding out ceremony and in that exact same movie there's also a scene where tinkerbell and clink and bobble fly over the winter woods even though it's established in this movie that warm fairies can't fly over the winter woods without like getting hurt so and also a character from the first like couple four movies who was the lady of winter who she was originally the overseer of the winter. Yeah. The winter section. She's just gone. Yeah, they just wrote her out entirely in order to create this new sort of lair to how Pixie Hall operates. So, mm, continuity error here. Yeah. Well, not a continuity error. They just blatantly retconned yeah. stuff from the first movie, which, which when I no think one of will, care, will, will ever care about except for me <laughs> <laughs> well i mean and even i don't care but the, i think it's fun to point out <laughs> i i suppose so although when it comes to like retcons and stuff like that my policy is like if it's in service of making a better potential story and stuff then like yeah yeah and also in this movie we get established that 
apparently fairies have a concept of siblings, which... And a concept of love. Yeah, this movie confirms that fairies do in fact fuck, so... <laughs> It's, it was ambiguous before, but now they uh, <laughs> now we know, which oh. which you know brings up a lot of questions. So we're establishing Pixie Hollow lore and fairy in like fairy Peter Pan lore, whatever that fairies are born from like a baby laugh. Okay? Yes, and it's established in this movie. Uh, Tinkerbell has a sister because like she was born from the same laugh, uh-huh. and like the little seed she was born with. I guess you can see this as like the embryo in this uh, in this uh, uh. analogy because it like splits into two. So that's why. You got Tinkerbell and you got her sister with the winter fairies. Now, if they have a concept of siblings, does this mean that fairies consider the baby whose laugh birthed them to be their parent? And also, since this movie does indeed <laughs> confirm that fairies do fuck. Like so they- the movie begins as Tinker's Nook is bustling with activity because they're getting all of the winter preparations for the mainland started as they're getting all of these baskets all ready to go. For some reason, Fairy Mary keeps like chewing out one of the Tinker Fairies for being lazy. I think it's like Lucinda or something like that. And it's just like, Lucinda, leave the milling around to the baker fairies. And it's like, yeah, get it together, Lucinda. <laughs> got a got a quarter to meet, ma'am. Yeah, you know, they're getting these fairy fairy baskets over to the winter fairies, and snow owls come by to pick them up. And I do like uh the presence of the snow fairies. Like something that like We've talked about this a little bit, but the, I love the way that these animal, like animals in these movies are like animated and stuff. I think they do a good job hitting a nice balance of cuteness while maintaining an element of realism, with the exception of the bugs. Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to go on. <laughs> yeah, but at least like, but with like the birds and like, like the lynxes and like the other things that we'll see, it's like... They do a good job with that. But yeah, they deliver the baskets and Tinkerbell, as her usual self, is very curious about the world of the winter fairies. Yeah, she asks questions like some kind of harlot. Like some sort of communist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. She ends up volunteering with Fawn to take animals to the winter woods to hibernate after some zany hijinks with a bunny running around Tinker's Nook. Wait, is it Tinker's Nook? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. But this leads to them uh, delivering the animals to the borders of the Winter Woods. And this is where we see, like, this cool, like, little effect of, like, the animals will just jump into the Winter Woods section and their fur will turn white. And it's just, like, it was a cool animation effect. Side note, I love how this movie animated frost like i imagine they probably have some sort of procedural engine thing in the animation department that can make it but the way that the ice fractals and builds in a gradual way mm-hmm. the, the animators did a good job with that but yeah uh the animals end up crossing over and uh this makes tinkerbell curious about going over so she sneaks over you know i just 
I just thought of another continuity error that I'm going to point out. Okay, okay. so the, so we know that this movie takes place after the first three movies because Tinkerbell talks about events of the first three movies with her sister later on. Yeah. Okay, so the first movie takes place when they're doing springtime. Uh-huh. Second movie, it's autumn. Yeah. Third movie, it's summer. And yeah. now we're back to winter, which means Tinkerbell has been around for about two years at this point. But yeah. she still doesn't know about the winter woods thing. Yeah, well... Despite having ostensibly already gone through a Pixie Hollow winter preparation season already. I imagine when winter was going down, I could have easily imagined them at this point, like, shielding information away from Tinkerbell because they know, like, I swear to she God, it's too many questions. If she finds out something else, she's going to cause another goddamn disaster, and I just want to make my quotas. Okay, well, obviously they didn't keep up on that uh, task this year because she starts asking questions like, oh, why can't we go over to the Winter Woods? And Fauna's like, well... There's a rule that I think the Lord of Winter, Lord Mallory, who is like the overseer of the winter section, that mm. he said like fairies aren't allowed to cross because it's too dangerous. But Tinkerbell, being the little rebellious lady she is, decides to cross the border and her wings start doing some mysterious sparkling. Ooh, it's almost as if her wings have a secret secret about them of course Uh, fawn uh takes her back over the border and is worried about tinkerbell's wings so takes her to the healing talent fairies so we are confirmed that uh pixie hollow does provide free health care yes kings and queens Uh hail the fairy overlords doing a better job but yeah uh so it turns out one of the central parts of the conflict is that fairy wings are very sensitive, which, you know, they do that sort of stuff a lot because, you know, they can't get wet or they can't fly. And in this case, if they freeze, they'll end up cracking and breaking. Yeah, and ostensibly at the same time, if winter fairies come over to the warm section, their wings will wilt and also potentially break. So Yeah, yeah, which that's some that is some very cool stakes that you got there fairies have like insect like wings and insect wings are kind of fragile if they're not treated right so like that's like a tangible like actual threat that you can inflict upon a fairy Mm -hmm. without it being like the threat of death yeah oh also there is like this gag with this healing fairy that was like a receptionist there yeah she's there yeah i don't know yeah it was okay but anyway, so um, Tinkerbell is given a clean bill of health, but told to not go over the border. But of course, she's curious about all the whole sparkling wings thing. So yeah. she decides and to... And also, th- she says, like, take two sunflowers and call me in the morning if there are any difficulties. Which it's like, I'm curious about the medicinal properties of sunflowers. Yeah, Pixie Hollow operates uh, Homeopathy on, uh, people, homeopathy please do not medicine. at me. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I'm using actual medicine. Thank you. Yeah, right. sorry. Yeah, so Tinkerbell goes to the open air library they have to look up uh, stuff on wings. Yeah. And she finds a book that talks about the sparkling wings, but unfortunately most of the pages have been eaten by uh, Bookworm Ex Machina, so... Yeah, which, you know, you'd think, like, 
it's weird because the bookworms seem to be acting as like clerical things because you see them sorting the books, but also they damage the books. And it's like, that seems like... It's a joke because this is bookworms and they eat them. It's, it's a gag. Yeah. It's a gag. Fun fact, the, the, the name for bookworms actually comes from like, it's a real thing especially in older libraries where like people would find like books being eaten through by maggots and stuff because you know fun times yeah shouldn't have stored the meat in the books people <laughs> yeah nah i i mean i think it was more it more had to do with like libraries being less climate controlled and then getting musty and then yeah. yeah yeah well anyway uh there's this one like weird uh nerdy fairy who He's a nerd. Okay, so he, he, gets, he, uh, he talks like this, and, and he has too buck excited teeth. about his idol. And he's and he talks about the keeper, who's this 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 mysterious type of person who wrote all the books in Pixie Hollow. Which that's that's which is confusing because how does he have all this knowledge about Pixie Hollow to write about if he's like confined oh <laughs> to one section of Pixie Hollow? Yeah. It's never explained. We just got to go with it. But um, anyway, so she thinks that, well, the Keeper is the only person I know who can tell me about this stuff. So I am going to sneak over to the border so we get a nice uh, winter coat creating montage. Yeah, and I got to say, I really like Tinkerbell's winter outfit I know. on that. I love, I love winter outfits. It isn't until the very end where we get to see the other main fairies in their winter outfits. But I am a sucker for any kind of movie or TV show or anime thing that has an episode where the characters go to a cold climate and they all get to wear comfy coats. It is very good. Like it's my favorite trope. I, I appreciate like I think the thing I like about it is like like Tinkerbell's got like this cute I is she wearing like tights or something that yeah. yeah, she yeah, she's wearing like these tights and her hoodie's got still has like the sort of skirt length to it and it's uh-huh. got like fur lining and like these puffy fur boots and and it's 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 a look it's a look the designers did do a good job with the characters and we'll talk about some of the other characters close by to the end when we see their winter outfits but yeah so uh upon completing oh but before she goes she has to get this drawer full of little shoe puffs that she just pops onto her feet and it's yeah she must lose this quite often if she has just a big drawer of them i imagine so but uh yeah she ends up sneaking onto the baskets that they were making for the fairies and uh can i just say i love clank and bobble in this movie these are so great they're very good like especially because like as tinkerbell's like sneaking on like like bobbles being like uh like being like oh it's you're trying to figure out stuff like they these they seem like very good friends and they do seem fairly supportive of like what that was was one thing i wanted to mention about this movie i really love how ride or die tinkerbell's friends are in this movie because like i feel like in the past they would sometimes be a lot skeptical about like what tinkerbell was planning but now Mm -hmm. they're like fully on board with going along with her schemes at this point because they they know that she even if she does uh, almost destroy the world most of the time, she, it ends up being better than it was before and then. Yeah, so, you know? well, I, I appreciate how they were, but I appreciate that it was less 
when they were talking to her was more like a, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Like, is this like, it's less of a thing to detract her and more of a like, hey, you, we don't, we don't want you to like do something that like you aren't sure of. Yeah. And and I think it's that's a nice way of like being supportive without it, it being like. Yeah, no, I really like Tinkerbell's friends in this movie. They're pretty. They're not like as prominent in this film as they no. are in the previous one or some of the, or the one after this. But like you know, they're just there to be supportive and have a good time, and I like that. Also, for all you clank bobble truthers out there, this movie does establish that they live in the same house. They so, do live in the same house. They were roommates. So, although, indication. Uh, yeah, although one of them does say like, oh, we could end up being brothers, don't you think? And it's like, no, stop it. Yeah, just, just ignore lines like that, Henry, I, okay? Like, yeah. I hate it. Just, I, I love... And when I say I love, I mean I hate it. I hate it when like like media will be talk about like potential shipping things and being like, oh, we could be siblings, and it's like, ah, oh, damn it! Now yeah, you that's like the ultimate like mid like twenty tens uh, queer bait ender. Where <laughs> have like the characters be like, I love you as a sibling <laughs> and it's just like god gross making this feel incestuous now oh god yeah but um yeah so tinkerbell ends up sneaking up onto the basket and of course uh she gets swept up by the owl and it happens to be the new owl that's a little clumsy so there's oh, a little no, hijinks yeah so there's some hijinks as they're flying but eventually they do end up crossing over into like the winter woods and the winter woods i gotta say there's something about like snow and animation that they did a very good job also with. it seems to be significantly larger than the rest of pixie hollow like there's yeah. this big like mountain range and yeah. like, glaciers and stuff, and I'm like, because I always picture, pictured Pixie Hollow just being like a tiny little area in Neverland, but this is like the Appalachians out here. <laughs> yeah, no, they they got some like big mountains. They got full on glaciers. They got like all sorts of places, and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, which is, yeah, I, I don't know, but I think at least for the purposes of this movie, like seeing the vastness of it does give this sense of wonder and mystery that makes it very intriguing, mm -hmm. uh, especially as they're flying over. And as they're flying over, uh, we start to see a couple of the winter fairies. First, there's this guy named Sled. This, what's your vibe on Sled? Uh, the the um <laughs> I... yeah they're, they're really trying to make this fairy sexy as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do they do try to make him be like hey yeah i'm sled yeah matt lanter delivers all his lines with like a like an air of like mm, hey girl yeah exactly <laughs> you wanna go check out the frost <laughs> I don't know. Good job, good job. All right. Maybe cool off. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Ice related pickup lines. Uh, ice to meet you. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so they're flying over, and uh, the 
Tinkerbell accidentally opens up the basket and, and it gives this brief like bit of tension because oh Tinkerbell's wings are covered up by her coat so she can't fly which I think that's a nice fun way of like introducing like an element of danger because once you take out the element of their wings it ends up being a nice naturalistic way of upping the stakes which I think is some good storytelling there yeah. and it's here we get introduced to the Lord of Winter Lord Mallory flying in on his big snowy owl, looking kind of daddy, to be honest. You know, he's voiced yeah. by Timothy Dalton. Yeah, he's got, Timothy like, silver, D- long silver hair. Like, you know, he's like paternalistic to all the little fairies. He's got a smooth voice, you know. Is yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. God. <laughs> it's like they got something for everyone in this movie. Is all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, you know, sometimes. I mean, what, was Fairy Gary not good enough for you? Well, I don't think Fairy... I'm Fairy Gary's type. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I I do feel like... Well, aside from your thirstiness for him, what is your vibe for Uh, Lord Mallory as a character? British. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he, he, he he is pretty British. I do appreciate also Timothy Dalton's like voice acting. He's like it brings this air of like, like like kind of sternness, but still like you know, it's, an underlying affection. Yeah, it's clear that he's like he he even though he is a somewhat antagonizing force, he is not like malicious, which I think is this is something that these movies do a good job with, where even if they're not like, uh. The sources of the conflict never, at least in here, haven't come from like an overtly villainous force. It, if anything, it comes from misunderstanding or pettiness and stuff like that, which I think, you know, more media could probably stand to do that and just be like, hey, sometimes conflicts aren't caused by irredeemable people. Sometimes it's just flawed people, not vibing like they should yeah i mean thus far of the movies we've seen there really hasn't been a true like villain character any of them except for maybe vidya in the first movie yeah he's more like an antagonist but that does change in some of the sequels though oh oh god be prepared but um yeah so so it's through lord malory finding tinkerbell's book and uh telling the other fairies to take it to the keeper that Tinkerbell finds a way to like figure out where the keeper is. Yeah. And he's, the, he's this, just, just this little, little old looking dude with a big old cane. Yeah, man, like, he talks a little like this. And yeah. he's a very, 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 uh, eccentric type of person. Yeah, he sounds like, he's voiced by Jeff Bennett. He sounds like he's doing an impression of some, like, well-known person that I can't Yeah, I couldn't place it either. I don't know. He just comes off like, you know, he's got this big old hair and like his bushy mustache is very, yeah. I don't know. He's, what do you think of Dewey as a character? He's okay. He's okay. Yeah. He's okay. (laughs) I think I like, I like, I like seeing some of the personality they imbue in the older non, uh, standard mold fairies that we get because those tend to be yeah i know it's like they're all all these movies are focused on like the young pretty fairies so i want my fairy mary movie Mm. it's what i want oh boy i want to see her life so 
that would be interesting. But anyway, this is the big scene in the movie where we finally get the introduction of Tinkerbell to her long-lost sister, the Frost Fairy, named Periwinkle. Yeah, so I, I feel like if there was a negative that I could ascribe to this movie, I feel like the introduction of Periwinkle and, like, some of the winter fairy stuff, like, felt a little bit rushed. Like, I felt like it would have been cool if we could have, like, learned more about their interior lives before Tinkerbell came along. Yeah, because, well, the way Periwinkle is presented is she's basically... Exactly the same as Tinkerbell. Uh, exactly the same as Tinkerbell. Like, she likes is... the same things. She likes to do the same things. She has a similar personality. She looks pretty similar, aside from, like, the... The white hair. Yeah, and, the yeah. Elsa-ish trappings, so... Which, I don't... I mean, I think... I don't know what, like, I guess the narrative goal with that is. Is, like, uh, I guess... I guess she... just to easily make them, like get along super well because they even like later on in their first meeting they create a tally of like all the things that they have in common which is which actually brings me to a sudden fan theory oh so i feel like the way fairies view siblings in this world it's not like in the way like humans view siblings yeah like the way this movie is portrayed it's almost as like tinkerbell and periwinkle are two parts of the same soul so it's I mean, like the way that they portray this, like uh, they like Dewey ends up showing off this weird like contraption where if they shine their wings, they see like the backstory stuff where they we see the little baby laughing, and the baby's laugh like shoots out of its mouth and it splits into two, which you know it, it does land credence to that idea of like them being part of the same baby soul. Yeah, because it's like it's not like. Because, like, siblings in real life, like, you know, if you have siblings, you know, you're not, you're not all liking the same things. You're not, like, identical. But, like, in here, it's almost like siblings in this universe are, for fairies, is kind of portrayed like, like, almost they're, like, two parts of the same person. Yeah, which, honestly, I was, clones. when I was watching this, I was low-key expecting them to, like, there to be some tension between them when they realize like like because the way they they were setting up the uh them being so similar in a lot of ways made me think like oh are they about to like pull a thing where oh suddenly they they don't like the same things and they don't they do have some differences in them being like unsure of what that means because you know siblings are fairly rare and it that could be an interesting commentary on how siblings are like oh yeah you might be a lot of very similar in a lot of ways but you're also allowed to be different which maybe that could have been like a potential sequel thing between the two of them if we got more time to develop them yeah but the way it stands i don't know this kind of thing about this movie that some people have pointed out when talking about this movie that because Periwinkle and Tinkerbell don't really actually resemble siblings in the way that we typically uh, think of siblings. Oh God! To oh work. God! Do people ship them? Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, but like you gotta think about it. Okay, so like, like I said, this is the way siblings work in this universe. It's not really all that resemblant of like 
siblings IRL. You know, it's like, and Emma. just the way it's portrayed in this movie. I don't know. It's like if they didn't weren't constantly calling them sisters, you'd almost think this is more like a soulmate type situation. Because it's like, <laughs> I mean, it would offer parallels to other stuff that happens in this movie. But I also, I wasn't even thinking in that direction. God. God. Internet, come on, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's... I mean, she would certainly be a more interesting love interest than Terrence. Uh, hey It's like, I don't know, like... But, yeah. Uh, it, huh. It's just a strange part of this movie. That's... Yeah. Strangest way to describe that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say at least, like... I, and I think, you know, that is one of those things that I, uh, when it comes to, like, uh, Perry Winkle's introduction, like, it would have been nice to see, like, learn more about her just to see that sort of compatibility. But as it stands, you know, they meet, they do this uh, wing touch thing, which causes their wings to start glowing. And what did they say to gut when it happens? It was like, Sprinkles or something like that? Jingles. Jingles. Yeah, which, that's new. Yeah, well, I mean, you gotta have a catchphrase. But either way, so... <laughs> I'll look Tink- out for it in the future movies, see if they do yeah, that. Well, Tinkerbell and Periwinkle decide to spend the day together doing a bunch of wintertime fun. Periwinkle introduces Tinkerbell to her friends, Gliss and Spike, who are these two other frost fairies. And you got the one excitable one and the one kind of snarky one. So. Yeah, which, yeah, and, and that's that's the other thing. I, I would have liked to see more of her friends' personalities as well because they kind of introduced them, gave them basic personality traits, and then it's like, all right, nothing. Like, if anything, like, you almost get the impression that this could have been like a backdoor pilot to like a spin-off series of movies focusing on Periwinkle's adventure in the winter place with her friends yeah but uh alas it's not what happened um no yeah so periwinkle and tinkerbell have a really good time all day but then they realize like oh no now we'll have to like uh go back and yeah it's... especially after like they uh tinkerbell builds a fire in presumably periwinkle's house as they're hanging out and it co- the uh, it causes the ice around her area to melt and them to almost fall mm-hmm. and dewey's like hey i'm sorry but it is too dangerous i best take you all back to the border mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so they say goodbye at the border but tinkerbell whispers to periwinkle to come back to to the border the next day because she is going to uh create a plan for periwinkle to come over and explore the warm section oh yeah and one thing i do like about that section is that like periwinkle was just like oh man oh wow i I wasn't expecting this i thought you were just gonna say goodbye forever and like tinkerbell's like what are you kidding me i just found you as my sister i'm not leaving that easily which i'm like yeah that seems fairly in line with things we've seen with her thus far mm-hmm. uh in fact like tinkerbell talks a lot about how like you know i've spent so much time looking for lost things and learning about them this is it was like i was made for finding this one last lost thing and it's like, like yeah tinkerbell and periwinkle are very achingly sweet in this movie. yes 
Yes. It, it, Which it, you can tell they're both people who have not had to deal with actually having a sibling for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I have a pretty good relationship with yeah, my not sibling. Not that I don't love my sister, but... Or my know, many brothers yes, and sisters. Yes, but, you know, it's a, sometimes... It's not you all liking the same things all the time. No, it's 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 definitely a child's perception. Like, it, this feels like a movie written through the perspective of someone who is an only child. Or like kind of as Wish Fulfillment Fantasy for an only child who wonders like, what, what, what if I had a sibling who was my exact age and liked all the things I liked and just wanted to hang out with me all the time? Oh, that does sound like a, that does sound like a very child- like type of fantasy. Oh, that that that, that makes it more endearing then. Yeah. It makes it all the more weird that people ship them. Okay. Uh, are you that surprised, Henry? Really? No, I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed. Like, I mean, there are people who were like who still hardcore ship like Anna and Elsa together. So. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's a thing that I'm reminded of happening. So the next day, Tinkerbell. Uh, begins to start constructing stuff with the help of Clink and Bobble. But before she does that, she rolls up to Clink and Bobble's house and she knocks on the door and she opens the door and like Clank shoots out this like home intruder like anti-troll weapon that they have net. So we know that Clink is one of those people that shoots people that come to his house <laughs> unexpectedly so he's one of those stand your ground types jesus christ <laughs> but it, it, it was one of those things where bobble like where it's just like uh where bobble's just like oh come to come to bed and they keep calling each other like like uh bobble keeps calling him clanky and it's just like I say uh, like clank bobble nation you will be well fed by this movie yes that's all i'm saying oh yes uh but they end up deciding to uh start constructing a device that would make it cold kind of like how tink was able to keep herself warm maybe she can make periwinkle cold and it's yeah. And they make this little eye shredder, and then yeah, uh, it, it's like this little like push cart thing where like someone has to sit on this little like bike contraption that uses this cheese grater to grate down a piece of ice to create snow coming from the back, so a winter fairy can stay under the snow and which, explore. Yeah, that's that's like I know. Yeah, so, and this is also when like all of the friends also find out. Yeah, because like Clink and, and like, Bobble, like Tinkerbell's just like don't tell, don't tell everyone about this and they're like all right we didn't tell everyone though we just told our friend group and they were just like yeah and like all the girls are like really supportive of tinkerbell in this moment like yeah they're like yeah we want to help you even video be although i do appreciate how videos like still I love that video is in the friend group now she's yes, great <laughs> she's great albeit like especially because she still offers like some sarcasm and a little bit of realism being like where like Tinkerbell's like, oh, we could take Periwinkle to Cl Queen Clarion, and Vidya's like, oh yeah, let's see how that goes. Hi, Queen Clarion, our sworn, the people we're sworn to never be around is coming to see you, and mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm, I'm just saying, why would people go for this incestuous ship when you have this good enemies to lover just right there? Yeah, well, 
Why don't we move on? Anyway, <laughs> so they end up constructing this device, and uh, Periwinkle conscripts her friends in order to get the ice, including Sled, uh, the oh, uh, Gliss, Gliss, and Spike, too. and then this just random Frost Fairy who's it's like, like a stone. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, "What's up, man?" Yeah, he's if the he's, one who provides the glacier, the the, the big ice cube for the machine. When you think about it, we're all just big ice cubes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we just got random uh, stoner fairy. Yeah, and and he doesn't even get a name, and I'm just like, and this is just one of those things where I'm like, I could easily imagine like them having doing like just heck even a couple of spin-off stories just with periwinkle and like these fairies going on some wintry themed adventures I, I don't know maybe she i know they made a lot of disney fairy shorts that were airing on the disney channel so maybe they got one of those i we should look into those then yeah. at some point uh but or at the very least i know i or i at least hope that you uh disney fairy fanfic writers have gotten on that because y'all this well is so deep like y'all can there's so much material here yeah uh, but uh either way so um by the use of this device periwinkle is able to cross the border and from the there uh tinkerbell gives her in a in a, a nice tour of the warm sections while her friends help out by like uh, silver mist creates like this big water stream iridescent creates rainbows like just to make periwinkle's time on the mainland very special yeah and this leads to like this nice little montage of everyone showing this off yeah. uh, in their respective talents which i think is a it's very nice uh and i appreciate how supportive uh Tinkerbell's friends and how excited they are to meet her, even when Vidya's being like, hey, just so you know, uh, Tinkerbell gets a little messy, so watch out, sister. Oh, God. Yeah, and like when Periwinkle finally starts talking to Tinkerbell's friends, we do kind of go back to this maybe being a sort of kind of xenophobia uh, metaphor because when Rosetta first meets Periwinkle, she kind of talks with her like the oh, I don't think you can speak English voice. That's true. She's like, hmm. hello, my name is Rosetta. And then like video is the one who like calls her out like she's she not from the moon. <laughs> like, oh, man. You know, you know that if they had time, they would establish moon fairies. Space fairies? Aliens? Yeah. They could have created the alien movie? That would have been... I'm just saying that I could see it now. Uh, Tinkerbell and the... Mysterious visitor. No, no I was going to say something like Tinkerbell and the mysteries of the moon fairies. It's a bit lengthy. Okay. For a title of a 2010 Well, movie. mysteries... Well, I mean, you could just say mysteries of the moon fairies. Yeah. Eh, I don't I know. I'd Let's, uh, but all yeah. that introduction is uh, interrupted when suddenly Perry's wings begin to wilt. Because and... they're running out of ice and didn't think to maybe <laughs> keep an eye on that better. Yeah. Yeah, but before that happens, we also get a little important moment where uh, Rosetta gifts Periwinkle a Periwinkle and she freezes it in a little ice ball, mm. which will come back later. A little later. And yeah. again, to your point of that, I do... 
once again, I want to just call to attention how good of a job this movie does with its ice animation effects. I like, know. I love seeing all the frost fairies. It reminds me of... Did you, you ever watch Fantasia? Yeah, Fantasia. Fantasia. It just reminds me of... Actually, I feel like a lot of like the Disney fairy stuff kind of takes inspiration from like the Nutcracker segment in yeah. the original Fantasia. Like, like there was a little section where uh, Perry and Tinkerbell were skating on the ice and they were doing like the very similar thing that was happening in that Fantasia segment yeah, where like they were like... Yeah, like in the Fantasia you see all the little fairies like putting the ice on the tree branches and stuff. Like, I actually wonder if that was ever like a thing ever mentioned in the production of this movie or if an interview because it i could totally picture them taking inspiration from that that yeah because you even got like the fairies like creating like the dew drops on the spider web which is very similar to something silver mist does that's true yeah or like movie light so yes i think we found found a connection there yeah yeah i appreciate that but regardless they got to take uh perry back to the border where uh, Lord Malory is waiting for them right there. He's looking all angsty and sad. He's like, and pa- sad. and Tinkerbell is like, "No, you can't keep us apart. We're connected." And he just looks off solemnly in the distance. And initially, I thought was like, "Oh, did he have a sibling as well? What's the story there?" And but yeah, he was able to. He's able to heal Perry and. Uh, and then Tinkerbell's like, no, you can't keep us apart because of your rule. And Queen Clarion comes out and it's like, actually, it's my rule. <gasps> and what? Queen Clarion is imposing unfair rules? <gasps> this is why they need to establish a democracy in the Hollow. Yeah. Because that is the one question I was thinking about this movie. So Queen Clarion is the queen. Yeah. But Lord Mallory oversees the winter, mm-hmm. so it's like, does Queen Clarion also have say over stuff that goes on in the winter section? I imagine like, does she so. Him? I would I imagine so because so, you know. At the same time, the winter section is kind of like self-governing, and so it's kind of separate. Yeah. Is it like a? I don't know. Maybe it's like a state and country type thing i imagine that's probably the sort i mean because you know she has like the magisters of each season that have their own jurisdiction i imagine it's a similar where she's like each of them are like trying to manage their own specific specialities whereas she's just being like an overseeing presence yeah but then that would kind of like be unfair to the winter fairies because like because the fairies can't cross the border like that Lord Mallory isn't going to be included in the meetings that involve Queen Clarion and the other magistrates of the different sections. Hmm. So it's like, unless he's able to, like, I don't know, well, send I mean, some he letters doesn't, in. Well, or, he doesn't really have to worry about his wings. Oh, that's true. But then again, it's it's established that it seems that Queen Clarion and Lord Mallory have not, like, seen each other. That's, yeah, yeah, or... <laughs> This is, this is, maybe, maybe that one magistrate, the Lady of Winters, was a representative of Lord Mallory. Yeah, but she still had her wings and she was able to go. Yeah, well, cause, I, don't, I don't know. What do you want from me, Emma? <laughs> I'm just saying that there might be some unjust oh. government systems going on. Okay. No taxation without proper representation well, they don't pay for tax. winter fairies in the they fairy don't, court. They don't, I don't think Pixie Hollow has taxes. 
Well, I mean, they, they don't... still need representation, okay? That's, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this leads to this really, like, one of the segments that I enjoyed was, like, uh, Lord Mallory and Queen Clarion explaining to uh, Perry and Tinkerbell, respectively, like, the like this backstory and it keeps cutting to the between each other as they were continuing the story about two there were once these two fairies that wanted to be together and fell in love because the girl was the warm season and he was from the winter woods and they wished to share each other's worlds so they disregarded the dangers and crossed and one day one of the fairies broke a wing an injury where there was no cure and just as this occurred, they decided it was safe for everyone to be separated. Yeah. So sad, like if you cry every time. Yeah, because if you'd been ta- if you've been watching the movie closely, you'd notice that Lord Lori never flies. You never see his wings, and it's revealed that one of his wings was broken. So and if, so and- those fairies were me, says Queen Clarion. So yeah, it's. I'm wondering, were, was Queen Clarion already the queen at the time when all that went down? Maybe not. Maybe this was a thing that happened, like, after. Yeah, so it's like... Before, yeah. So, and how did Queen Clarion become queen? Who was queen beforehand? I don't know. Ding, cinema sins, plot hole. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> but, no, I appreciate this little, like, I appreciate this little, uh this little exchange of the backstory because like Dalton and uh I mean Angelica Houston both of them do a very good job like like these are it's the like the pathos that they each imbue in their voices where it's just like this there's that underlying layer of sadness to it that just Mm -hmm. makes me like oh it just ups the tragedy of it, which makes it all the more compelling. Yeah, so poor Periwinkle and Tinkerbell are seemingly separated forever. If only there was some sort of large-scale disaster that would cause the two groups to have to work together that could lead to a better understanding. Hmm. hmm. Well, coincidentally, they just happened to have left the ice maker in the river as it fell down, but ice from the winter woods is flowing into the river and is hitting the ice maker and it's somehow enough oh wait and then the water is turning the turnstiles so they don't need the crank and that is enough to actually create a snow tornado yeah that creates like a catastrophic weather event yeah where the entirety of the warm section of pixie hollow starts freezing yeah which that like this is where the movie gets into straight up like disaster movie mode which honestly was like a very nice change of pace in terms of like a third act conflict it's a like if you wanted to get analytical about it you could say that this uh, this winter storm is a manifestation of the underlying tensions that resulted in keeping these two groups separated. Oh, yeah. it's almost, a metaphor. almost as if keeping two groups apart needlessly using artificial borders only seeds a sense of separation and division. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. The real snowstorm was inside us all along. Hmm. <laughs> so this results in uh, the fairies thinking like, oh, we got to be able to 
we got to get the the pixie dust tree staying warm because if that thing frees over, everyone's kind of fucked over. Yeah. Yep. It's all goes all goes to Hiffle. Yeah. So everyone goes around to like make sure like the animals are in safe places. Try to get everyone in like nice warm spots. And they try to put some blankets on the Pixie Hollow tree, but they're like fairy-sized blankets, so it ain't doing shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, that's not how trees work. Nope, so... They are not warm-blooded. Like, yeah, it looks like the Pixie Hollow tree is maybe kind of screwed at this point. But, but as Tinkerbell is wrestling up the last of the animals, she finds that Perry's periwinkle has started to unfreeze. And the frost didn't damage the flower it preserved it which made her gave tink an idea so she flies as fast as she can into the winter woods even though she would risk breaking her wing and she ends up falling over but she's able is able to find the other winter fairies because shock their supply of pixie dust is starting to go very is starting to taper off Mm -hmm. which something we didn't mention is that one of the roots of the pixie dust tree oh you did okay good and yeah so so this makes everyone realize oh we need to go like if you uh frost the pixie dust between before the tree gets hit with the freeze then it could potentially preserve it so they all work together to fly you know i'm not a plant scientist but is that a real thing I mean, it's, there's, like, some basis of, like, refrigeration where, like, um, it depends on, like, how you go about freezing it and what you end up freezing. But frost can actually be a main, a means of preserving certain things. Um, like, this is a more animalistic example, but, you know, how, like, there are certain species of frogs that are able to, like, go into hibernation and, like, actually stop their hearts and still be alive uh, at certain temperatures because of like the frost and cold yeah. i imagine a similar principle applies and yeah yeah i don't know if it applies to trees though but also magic yeah oh yeah it is magic frost <laughs> though you're right duh but but either way um so uh, she gets a periwinkle and her friends to come down but when it's just periwinkle and like her two lady friends like it's there's... not gonna be enough but then, then suddenly the owls are coming. The eagles are here. Yeah, they pull a return of the king on us as the, like, it's almost a very similar shot to with, like, the snow owls, like, descending from the sky in a triumphant manner as they begin to, like, fly and frost the rest of Pixie Hollow. And it's like. Yeah, it was a Lord Malory leading, so. Yeah, it, it's. Yeah, so. Yeah, and it's implied that Periwinkle told the keeper and he was the one who told lord malory about their plan yeah so they're able to come together and through times of crisis these two different nations are able to work together in order to protect the resource that they both need yeah so, yeah makes yeah you think but anyway uh makes you think as everything gets frosted we also get a little moment where rosetta gets really thirsty for the matt lanter fairy so <laughs> Yeah, because her, because all now that like they don't need to cover the tree in them, everyone's getting bundled up in blankets, and Rosetta's blanket almost flies away. He's like, "Oh, you almost dropped this, milady, my queen." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! 
You're right. Oh god, my queen is just the new milady, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I donated to your Patreon, my queen. Why don't you answer my DMs? No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Anywho. Uh so <laughs> So the the rest of the frost fairies begin to like save the rest of Pixie Hollows while the rest of the uh the other fairies like bundle up and stuff and Queen Clarion gets all cold and Lord Mallory takes off his cloak to cover her wings and we see this dramatic angsty shock shot of him walking away one of his wings completely shattered and it's like as you see the two of them looking into each other's eyes, pining, longing, thirsting. Yes, the fairies do fuck. It is unconfirmed <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, but as a result, uh, it looks like everything's frosted up. And it's unsure of whether or not the pixie tree ended up surviving. But yay, the... The pixie dust begins to flow down as Terrence scoops him up in some triumph. As also, that is the Terrence, only... ter- he appears on screen exactly twice, <laughs> and he doesn't even say anything. He, he like, doesn't laughs. say a single thing. He laughs at one point, but they still had Jesse McCartney in the credits. Do you I think they even brought him back for this? They like, probably just got some stock stuff in why? the studio at like that you. point. Heck, they probably could have gotten some of his voice footage from for his kingdom Hearts stuff and it... oh god no no so uh man terrence they really did do you dirty in these sequels uh, but i mean whatever. did he really deserve better i don't think so <laughs> harsh okay <laughs> but yeah everyone is all super happy but uh tinkerbell has been on her feet the whole time and <gasps> plot twist Tinkerbell's wing has been shattered this whole time. <gasps> oh no. What do you what what shall be the solution? You think Disney would actually go there to have a disabled main character? No. No. Of course not. It turns that... out that whole uh sparkly glowing wing thing uh is somehow able to repair Tinkerbell's wing when she touches it to Periwinkle's wings. So yeah, yeah. It it does occur to me that they never did. Ex- they didn't. One of my pet peeves with this movie is that they didn't actually show off like what the actual full page of that eaten up book in the secret of the in the Wingology book actually was because yeah. like. That would have been interesting. Yeah, it's like, I know we were watching that and we were like, well, too bad Lord Mallory didn't have a secret sibling to report. Yeah. So, Sucks to me. <laughs> yeah, yes. so if I if I got my wing shattered, I simply wouldn't let it stay shattered. I simply would just use my secret sibling to repair it. Yeah. Sorry, Lord Mallory, but I'm built different. Oh, God. That is one of the things, though, like... Okay, so this is one thing I know about the books that people seem to like, that there is, like, a really popular, prominent character in the books. I think her name is, like, Rainy. Okay. And she's, like, a water fairy, but she doesn't have wings. Interesting. And it's like, man, it might have been nice if maybe, like, these movies explored, like, what it was like for fairies that don't have wings or damaged wings. Yeah, because you could put... That would be... Or, heck, like, it... 
it would be one of those things that could be a potential good way to let to teach kids about like accessibility although honestly having just straight up more disabled like characters in fiction could also do that but you know yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna have everyone like able-bodied coded in your thing maybe like i don't know yeah it's it's a thing it's a it's a potential thing that these this franchise would be equipped to explore which i think you know yeah but yeah they end up well uh, fixing the wings and then everyone begins to uh yeah, although I, before it's healed up, like, Queen Care, Clary and Lord Malory say, like, oh, we're the cause of this. Like, it's it's our fault for imposing this thing. Yeah, if only we had thought of a solution for more than two seconds. Instead of just, yeah. Yeah, so through Tinkerbell's devices, she is able to heal the great divide between the warm and winter sections. And Queen Clarion and Lord Mallory get rid of their divide as they just make out in front they of just everyone. Kiss, yep, as yep. as a fairy Mary's like, ooh, queen, and and it's just like, it, it's just like, uh, okay, that's. It does do that one thing in all like real young kids movies like you saw this in Barbie films where if characters ever kiss you also have to have like some characters be like ew mom and dad are kissing yuck it, it, no one's really no one gives an ew though well I mean the, the keeper guy is like oh I didn't know they were gonna kiss oh that's true so, that's true yeah which I, I just, it's always, what's I, what I've always noticed about these kinds of movies is they are seem to be very hesitant to have like any explicit romantic like scenes yeah which i don't know why it's it's not like it's not like you're afraid to go there well, in your other movies disney i don't know i guess when like you're a real little kid you just kind of think that kissing is gross so you're like yeah that's fair <laughs> it is indicative of the younger audience that these movies seem kind of geared towards yeah yeah but from that day on uh the warm fairies are able to cross over from the border because they realize that oh if you cover your wings and breasts that you could still somehow fly which it's like no one thought of that before but okay which okay we gotta talk about the logistics of fairy wings in these movies mm -hmm. okay so it's established that fairies they have their wings but they can't just fly with their wings they need the pixie dust to help yeah. them fly but like for like humans, like they're able to fly without having wings, just with the pixie dust. Like everything else just huh. floats with pixie dust, but for some reason, fairies don't. They need pixie dust and functional wings. Huh. Huh. Ding, that's a sin. Maybe it's something to do with fairy physiology or something. Yeah. Because they are, because they are like beings born out of kids laughs yeah that like die if they're in too hot or cold climates so i mean or hear the phrase i do not believe in fairies yeah. i guess they haven't established that rule maybe they don't want to go there for fairy tales yeah i don't know and they end up uh and they all get cute wintertime outfits yes okay uh who is your favorite oh i loved rosetta's look because she Rose gets like a like a red red outfit yeah it's like this like puffy coat and she's got like the booties and like the the ear was she wearing earmuffs um she had some kind of like hair scarf thing yeah yeah and it, it was very cute very cute and yeah. 
Oh, but Sled pops up and and it's what does he show her? He like he like does something to no, like. He, he just like he's like, "Hi, my name is Sled." And she's like, "Oh, that name's perfect." And it's like, "What?" Yeah. So she uh, she goes up and he offers to like go skating with her. And, so and her legs are like given out. She's just so turned on, and it's <laughs> like she. Oh. This fairy man, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. Like I said, Tinkerbell, she solved all fairy society problems. Like, honestly, why isn't Tinkerbell the the queen? Probably because Tinkerbell doesn't want that type of responsibility. Oh, yeah. That's true. But she does seem to harbor in the best decisions in the end, even if her actions did kind of almost permanently destroy things again. But, yeah. I mean, well, technically, it was the like lord malory who ordered the the device to be thrown into the river so it's kind of his fault actually yeah that's fair yeah but either way um yeah that's then his secret of wings Perry, uh tinkerbell gets her super special sister best friend who then is never relevant in any of the following movies yeah you tell me that like you tell me that like she just barely shows up in the rest of these yeah, movies. Yeah, like at the beginning of the next movie, The Pirate Fairy, she shows very briefly at the beginning. Doesn't have any lines. Doesn't interact with like Tinkerbell or anyone else in the rest of the movies. And I think in the last movie, she like just doesn't appear at all. So, but wow. it is the kind of thing. It's almost sort of like a Terrence situation where they put so much emphasis on this movie with Tinkerbell's relationship to someone, but the person she has a relationship with, like just isn't really an interesting enough character to like justify yeah perhaps i because that's the thing i i think that this goes back to some of my like criticisms where i think like i think the fact that they made periwinkle so similar to tinkerbell yeah, kind of doesn't stand out like she wouldn't really fit in in the main group dynamic yeah just, and it's just like they could have easily tweaked it like they could have had her be like relatively like like have them be similar in some ways but have her be a lot more distinct yeah like as it stands periwinkle's kind of just sort of bland like, which is unfortunate because i like her design and stuff and yeah. like lucy hale does a good job like as the voice for her honestly oh you know what it would actually be like an interesting type of dilemma or mm -hmm. characteristic they could have made her curious but what if they made periwinkle more like uh scared like maybe a little bit more anxious about the outside world because yeah. that could be like a type of conflict where like tinkerbell would be like all gung-ho to like exploring cross worlds but perry would be like oh I don't know if I could do this. And that yeah. could be a potential source of tension. That way, when things do go wrong for her, it could be like a moment where, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's a, just like, I don't know. Because as it stands, Periwinkle and Tinkerbell's relationship is so very, like, conflict-averse. Like, all the conflict comes from, like, outside forces. You yeah. Know? Which, I mean... I don't know. I don't know if they ever planned Periwinkle to become, like, a more important character after this movie. But as it stands, it's just, like, you know, she's a big deal for this movie. But outside of the plot of this movie, she just doesn't really serve much purpose in the larger franchise. Yeah. 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 So. Anyway, that was Secret of the Wings. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good one. I liked it a lot when I first saw it, and I think it's, uh... 
it's a pretty solid little film. I agree. I think uh, when thinking about this, I feel like because of like some of the underdeveloped potential of Periwinkle, I will say that Fairy Secret probably goes a little bit above this one. But it's definitely a nice, solid second place on this one. And yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. What sort of rating do you give this? I give this uh, three Daddy Timothy Daltons out of five. <sighs> ah, okay. I give this a frosted flower out of ten. It's very pretty. It's, like, nicely designed. Uh, it seems slightly flimsy once it's put under a sense of pressure. Uh and scrutiny but overall i think it's a very nice display of artistry and uh it could be something i think people can enjoy yeah but just remember if you're ever thinking too hard of the logistics of the fairy world in these movies don't yeah well unless you have a podcast and can talk about it oh my god (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, that's the movie. Uh, One quick thing that I want to note. So, apparently, I'm looking at some of the trivia for this movie, which is not something that we've done, but in that scene where Periwinkle and Tink list off the things that they have in common, apparently someone counted all the markings, and there are 120 things that they have in common with each other, which someone spent some time counting all of those. Okay. But the other thing is apparently... Captain Hook was planned to appear in this film due to the fact that there was a 3D model of Captain Hook's head somewhere in, like, the -the behind-the-scenes footage. Okay. Which, I'm not sure if that was just, like, behind-the-scenes prep work for uh, the pirate fairy stuff or something Yeah, it could be. Someone on the Disney wiki said, Despite her control and manipulation over wintry-based elements like frost, sleet, hail, permafrost, and ice... Her name, Periwinkle, is a summer color. It's almost as if it's meant to be ironic. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for uh, listening to this. Yeah. This was this was a fun time. I know. It's been a while since we recorded together, and it's in the same nice space. to be back. Yeah. 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 It'll be it'll be a fun time. Uh, but yeah, uh, with that said, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, there are a couple of things you can do. You can follow, uh, this podcast on your respectful podcast catcher of choice. We're on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, I, I'm sorry, Apple Podcast, as well as, uh, Podbean and, I think a couple of other places, but we're in most places where all podcasts are found. And maybe give us a rating or give us a comment or some review. Any any sort of feedback we very much enjoy. But if you want to reach out to us, something else that you can do is tweet at us at Pink Isle Pod on Twitter, where uh, we post all of our stuff. You know, we post every two weeks or as bad... You know, we try to at least keep to that quota. And Emma, we are getting close to 50 episodes, which that's that's wild. So much Pink Isle. 
so, so much so much and still so many girls so, so many things so many properties watch. that we could still do so if you we know that there have been some like specific requests for some properties like we know that some people are clamoring for the Polly Pocket movies as well as the American Girl doll movies which those are two things that we're interested in mm-hmm. I feel like there was a third one that people brought up to us um yeah, I don't know. But if you have a if you have other things that you think you would like us to talk about and give our little opinions and commentary about, just let us know. But you know who else is on Twitter? Emma. Yeah. You got a Twitter. Yeah. Do. That you don't use. Yeah. So you can and follow- you just lurk on Yeah, you can follow it if you want. At Emma Corey Nine. Yeah. 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 You know you know if at the very least, even if you don't tweet, I, I'm i sure she would greatly appreciate it anytime people would be like, hey, at Emma Corey 9 you do a good job on the podcast. Because you do. Aww, and I yes, appreciate it. That would you. be nice. I thank you. Yeah. As for me, listener, uh, there I'm in lots of places online. <laughs> So uh, some of the places you can find me, you can also find me on Twitter at Kathman Henry, uh, my Tumblr portfolio page, uh, henrykathman.tumblr.com. Uh, you can also uh, support me on my YouTube channel, which by the time that this episode comes out, Emma and I did a little live stream where we played some Barbie games as a Pink Owl Live yeah. type of thing. So you can go check that out. Um, but in addition to that you also uh oh yeah i also have an itch.io page because i designed a tabletop rpg based off of the tv show infinity train which you can check out there uh henry kathman uh no hjkathman.itch.io uh yeah that should be it and then finally if you want to support all the wacky wild things that i done do on the internet consider chucking me a dollar on the Patreon, just for one dollar a month, you can help keep paying my bills, baby. But yeah, Emma, am I forgetting anything? Um, we never really established the uh, occlusive answer on how uh, fairy anatomy works. So I mean, we gotta say we gotta fairies assume- get pregnant or not. I imagine no, because I imagine that fairies are infertile. Uh-huh. But one thing we can definitely determine, Lord Malory defo gets pegged, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, goodbye, everyone. Yeah.